Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you guys are ready. Buckle up, hold on tight, because the youth pastor has the mic. (laughs) So we're going to get right into this thing. I'm going to go back to my old youth days, man. Hold your Bible up, hold it loud, hold it proud. It's okay if it lights up, you know. It's cool. Yes, my youth row is rocking the the paper Bibles. Say, I got it. I get it. And it's good. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 29. I'll get there myself. Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to read a story for you. Starting in verse 16. We're talking about a man named Laban. It says, Laban said, your family, my flesh and blood. When Jacob had been with him for a month, Laban said, just because you're my nephew... You shouldn't work for me for nothing. Tell me what you want to get want. Tell me what you want to be paid. What's a fair wage? Now Laban had two daughters. Leah was the older and Rachel was the younger. Leah had the nice eyes, but Rachel was stunningly beautiful. And it was Rachel that Jacob loved. So Jacob answered, I will work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. It is far better, said Laban, that I give her to you than marry her to some outsider. Yes, stay here with me. So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, but it only seemed like a few days. He loved her so much. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. I've completed what I agreed I'd do. I'm ready to consummate the marriage. Laban invited everyone around and threw a big feast At evening, though, he got his daughter Leah and brought her to the marriage bed. Jacob slept with her. Morning came. There was Leah in the marriage bed. Jacob confronted Laban. What have you done to me? Didn't I work all this time for the hand of Rachel? Why did you cheat me? We don't do it that way in our country. We don't marry off the younger daughter before the older. Enjoy your week of honeymoon, and then we'll give you the other one also, but it'll cost you another seven years. Jacob agreed. When he had completed the honeymoon week, Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Jacob slept with her, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He worked for Laban another seven years. When God realized that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb But Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and had a son. I want to use this story today to talk about one word that we all go through, that we all deal with, and that's rejection. And if I was going to do a title of this message, it would be, Thank You for Rejecting Me. Thank you for rejecting me. I'm just going to put it really blank with you like I did with the youth. Rejection sucks. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. You can't, you can't like sugarcoat it. It stinks. When someone doesn't choose you, it stinks. How many of you were that kid on the playground, like they were getting ready to choose teams for a Red Rover? Do they even play Red Rover on the playground? Is that allowed anymore? Can they play that in elementary? I mean, like, I got clothesline. I mean, I'm like, I don't know how I didn't end up with a broken neck or, you know. So, but, like, how many of you were that kid on the playground that when somebody, when they went to pick teams, you were always chosen last? And it was like, well, I guess we'll take her. 
I mean, come on. It stinks, right, to be the last one picked. Because you're like, okay, that's cool. It's fine. Whatever. You know, no one likes it. And if you're, you're saying that you've never dealt with rejection or you're saying that it doesn't bother you, okay, you're lying. And we're in church, okay? We don't lie in church. There's one place you don't lie. It's in church. All right? So let's just be honest. Rejection stinks. It's everywhere. But if we're not careful, we can actually let it control us and paralyze us. Rejection has this funny thing um, because it'll actually control your mind and and tell you what you share, where you go, like who you're around, like what you like. I'll tell you a story. This this whole message came from, um, I was, I guess it was back in March. Uh, Elevation Worship in Maverick City came out with a new album. And one of the songs on there was a song talking to Jesus. And, uh, if you've not heard it, it's amazing. Go, go give them a listen. But uh, this song, I'll just read you some of the, the lyrics because it'll get you all in the feels. The first verse opens, Grandma used to pray out loud by her bed every night. To me, it sounded like mumbling, like she was out of her mind. Second verse, Mommy used to drag me to church. Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. She said, son, one day you'll thank me for having God in my life, your life. Now I know she was right. Because now I'm talking to Jesus. Because she got me talking to Jesus. And so I'm listening to this song, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm on my way to school one morning. I'm getting all up in my feels. And so I open up my, my text message, and I send it to send the song to my mom and my sister. I mean, my sister's probably going to watch this back um, no hard feelings, Carmen, I love you. But I send this song, and I'm like, man, this song will get you all up in the fields and just, like, so thankful that, like, you had, we had a mom that we did. We had the parents that we did that prayed in front of us, that we had the grandparents that we did. I can vividly remember sitting around the living room with my grandparents. My grandpa's recliner was right here. He had another recliner right here. They had a couch caddy corner to that. He would sit in his recliner with his Bible. I would sit in my grandma's recliner with a green living word Bible. I guarantee you, it was, I think it was my mamaw uh, Carmen's. And my mama would sit on the couch, and we would read scripture back and forth when I would spend the night with them. And I'm like, man, this song just gets you all in the feels, like, so, so thankful. And my mom's like, my mom messages back. She goes, thanks, I'll give it a listen. Have a great day. Love you. You know what my sister says? She goes, eh, I really didn't like it. <laughs> what? And, like, something rose up in me. I was like, what? I can't. You, you don't like my song? And so I immediately began to text back, and I was like, like trying to justify the why I liked the song. She, I was like, I was like, like well, I didn't I don't mean as it like a praise and worship song, like a congregation song, but I was like, the words really, really like have a great meaning behind it. Like, you don't like my song? I'll dare you. I'll dare you. Like, I'm trying to justify why I like me, why I like something to somebody else, just as if their opinion is going to make me like the song less. Okay. You know what? I like vanilla ice cream. You might like chocolate. You might not like ice cream at all. It, like, but what happens is, is we let it creep in 
And the smallest difference of opinion, we let it settle in our hearts, and we let rejection take root in our hearts. And all of a sudden, it'll, it'll determine how you act around people. It'll determine what you say to people. It'll determine what you share with people. How many of you have a favorite band out there or a favorite song, and you're like, it, but it's one song that you're like, I would never play that in front of other people and tell them that I like that song because the minute that they knew that I liked that song, they would make fun of me. Like, that's how our culture is. <clears throat> And see, we, we let opinions settle down in us, and it creates these wounds, and it makes us clam up. And we'll say things like, I'm not going to speak my opinion. Now, if they say they like it, then I'll jump on the bandwagon. I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite. I love it. But if they start saying, yeah, I really don't care for that new Maverick City album, like I'm just going to be like, nope, not even... It's my favorite album. I'm not even going to say anything. Something as little as that can dictate us. See, rejection kills dreams. It gets you in the mode of people pleasing instead of being your authentic self. And side note, you want to know why we're not our authentic selves around people? Because we don't like our authentic selves ourselves. And if I don't like my authentic self, why would I put it out in front of you for you to reject it and not like it? Rejection kills dreams. And it gets us in the mode of people-pleasing instead of being our authentic self. And that's where we find this story in Genesis chapter 39. We have a man, a father named Laban, a man named Jacob, and his two daughters, Leah and Rachel. This is how I put it, put, it, put it to the youth. Leah had the nice eyes. Hey, guys. Like it says she had nice eyes, but I mean, really, were they trying to be nice or did she have like crooked eyes and they were like, okay, she has, she has the nice eyes. And it says Leah had the pretty face. I mean, come on now. Let's just say Leah was probably ugly. Rachel was the pretty one. Like, if we're going to be honest. I mean, and Jacob goes all googly eyes over Rachel. Like, y'all know how middle school kids are, like, like youth in here, y'all don't do a great job hiding who you like, okay? I'm a middle school teacher, and for the first month of school, when you come in all stinky and not giving a crap, but then for two weeks straight, you wear a dress every day of the week, you're not fooling anybody. You're trying to impress somebody. And Leah goes all, I mean, Jacob goes all googly eyes over, over Rachel. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my, she's so pretty. Like, and Laban comes to him and is like, hey man, like, I'm not going to let you work for free. Like, what, what, what can I, how can I pay you? Give me your daughter. Like, he doesn't even, like, he's like, just give me your daughter. Like, it's, okay, but listen here, you're going to have to work for her seven years. How many of you, side note, how many out there would work for somebody for seven years? And, like, you just working for her. Like, you just, you're working day in and day out. You don't even have her yet. You're just working for her. Wow. Some people's brownie points in here just went way down. Seven years he's out in the field sweating for, for Rachel. 
And then the day finally comes, and he's like, Laban, give me my wife. And so they throw a feast, they throw a party, and he goes to consummate the marriage, and Laban sneaks Leah in the bed. And it says Jacob slept with her and then woke up the next morning and realized it was Leah. How does that, how does that happen? I have no idea. I mean, like, for seven years, you have looked at Rachel. I guarantee you out there in the field, hoeing away, going. Like, dude, can you move on? You've, like, you're, like, you're digging to China here. You've dug it. Like, we've got a well, okay? I don't need you to dig a well. I need you to dig me rows, okay? Keep moving, Like, he knows what Rachel looks like, right? How he doesn't notice? (laughs) But for some reason, uh, well, there you go. And he wakes up the next morning, and he gets all mad, and he's like, bro, 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 why you got to do me dirty like that? I didn't want her. I didn't work for her. Laban's like, oh, yeah, you did, because around here, this is how it goes. I don't marry off the younger one and then the older one. We go in order. So, bro, if you want her, I'll let you have Rachel. But you're going to work another seven years, and you still get Leah. And so what does he do? He's all googly-eyed, and he's like, (laughs) okay, I will. Why not? Imagine being Leah. And hearing all this, standing there and going, I'm not good enough. I'm sloppy seconds. He doesn't want me. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not pretty enough. He didn't want me in the first place. But now I'm stuck here. Here's what I love about this story, though. I love God because in the midst of being rejected, I mean hardcore rejection, because here's the thing in this, this story, Laban looks at him and is like, you're going to work another seven years. I'll give you her right now, but you're going to work another seven years. So you're going to be married to Leah, and you're going to be married to Rachel. It says that God saw that she was unloved and looked down on her and opened her womb. Like, I love that. God looked at her and was like, hey, it's okay. I got you. Because back in that day, as a woman, your job was to bear children. Your job was to have an heir. But here's what rejection will do. Leah is so caught up in rejection. Rejection will cause you to strive for people's affection and having you longing for them to affirm you instead of letting God affirm you. And what does Leah do? Leah has babies. But she goes into a people-pleasing reaction to the rejection. And for seven years, while he's working for Rachel, Leah's having babies. And because she's in such a people-pleasing mode, trying to gain Jacob's love after rejection, every kid that she has in that seven years actually points to the pain of rejection. I have been fascinated by names here lately. Like when, I, when I'm reading my Bible, like if I catch a name, I'll actually stop what I'm doing and go look up and see what a name, that name means. Because back in the, like 
People back in the day, they named their, pe- their people, their kids with purpose. Because they knew when they said that name, it was actually speaking a destiny. So when God looked at Abram and said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, what he was saying is every time that you introduce yourself, you're saying, hey, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. What are you doing? I'm prophesying over myself. I'm the father of many nations. Leah's first son, Reuben. Reuben means see a son. This name expresses Leah's hope that Jacob would find value in her because of her performance. As if to say, hey, I gave you a boy. I gave you an heir. See, a son. Do you love me yet? Son number two, Simeon. Did I say it right? Yes. Simeon means heard. Leah affirmed that the Lord heard that she was unloved and had given her another son. But see, to me, this name shows that Leah was still trying to have a voice in Jacob's life based on her performance. As if to say, have you not heard my cry yet? Can can you hear me? Do you hear me crying every night? Because I'm stuck in this marriage. You don't want me. What else can I do? Son number three, Levi. Levi means attached. She's so desperate for connection. She's so desperate to be, to be connected to someone. As if to say, hey, we've got three kids together. We're attached. You can't get away from me. This actually can't be undone. With each son, she's crying out from a state of rejection. Trying to get Jacob to affirm her. Trying to get Jacob just to show her an ounce Just an ounce of affirmation. How many times is that us? We cry, like, we're like, like, you know those people that, like, they just, they act out just to get attention. It doesn't matter if it's negative or it's positive. They will act out just to get attention. You know what it is? They have a root of rejection inside of them. Somewhere down in, like, we're all walking around with an inner wounded child. Here's the thing is, we're, we're human, Right? Everybody's human in here? No, no aliens? Okay, we're inevitably going to screw everybody up. Okay, I'm not going to be perfect. As a parent, you're not going to be perfect. You're inevit- I love y'all, but you're inevitably going to mess your kids up in some form or fashion. There's going to be things when they get into adulthood, they're going to be like, yeah, that, looking back on that hindsight, you tried your best, right? When people act out, what is it? There's a root of rejection there. And when you're, there's a root of rejection, it'll actually try and have you trying to make affirmation happen. Because you're so desperate for it. It'll have you striving for someone's affection instead of walking away. Yeah. Yeah. Leah's focus was all about getting Jacob to approve of and love her. He's in a, she's in a mar- stuck in a marriage with a guy that doesn't want her. You're not who I worked for. You're not who I wanted. And Leah's proof that even being a godly person, you can get trapped in rejection and trying to earn somebody's love. 
and that becoming first place in your heart and being a people pleaser to the first degree. I've been there. I overexert myself sometimes to, as if to say, hey, if I do this, then they'll, they'll know they need me. You know, all that is is setting you up to fail. It's a losing situation. Because every time that you do, it raises the bar even higher, and then you got to hurdle over that, and then you got to hurdle over this, and then you got to hurdle over that. And then all of a sudden, you're spinning 27 plates around, and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like, dun, 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 circus, dun, 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 dun. Freaking out. Because you can never rest, because the minute the affirmation stops through these external circumstances, you're like, oh, mm. Rejection fuels people-pleasing. But see, here's what I love about this story. There's something that shifts in Leah because she's given a fourth son. And her fourth son is named Judah. And Judah means praise. Leah declared, now I will praise the Lord. Her situation didn't change. She's still married to Jacob. He's still googly-eyed over Rachel. But something in her shifted and her focus and her perspective changes. And she goes from being fueled by Jacob's reaction and needing it to affirm her to being like, you know what? No, I'm going to praise God anyways because I've been given four boys. I got four sons. I'm good. She shifts her heart posture. And one of the coolest things is, do you know that out of the lineage of, of Judah comes Jesus? So it says he's the line of Judah. You want to study some lineage? Go study who all comes out of the lineage of Judah. Start looking up names of what those names mean. It'll change your perspective. Why? Because God was orchestrating a story through all of these names. Self-rejection or rejection from other people can fuel you into believing that you have no value apart from how you look, what you have, how you perform, what you do. We see it all the time in our culture, right? Everybody's trying to one-up everybody else. Man, y'all ever been in conversation out, out in, the, in public and like you tell a story and it's like somebody tries to one-up you with another story? And then you like one up and one up and you're like, I just shut up. Like I work with people like that. I just shut up. I just walk away because I'm like I'm not like I'm not gonna get a word in otherwise. And and all that is it's sort of just rejection. That's them trying to make their story valid. That's them trying to make and it belittles your story and your pain. Rejection will cause you to live a destructive life and create a hostile environment around you. It's a telltale sign. If people got chaos and, and their world around them isn't full of peace, it'll cause you to have insulting thoughts about yourself and about others. Here's the thing is, you can't afford to have a thought about yourself that the Father doesn't have about you. 
it'll cause you to think you're defective. It'll cause you to wish you were someone else. How many in here ever been like, man, if I had just been from that family, or if I had just been from them, I'm like, And it'll have you magnify every flaw you have and have you hating yourself. I'm not ignoring the fact that rejection hurts. It does. It sucks. But we have to learn to reject rejection. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. Do you know it's a learned behavior? To learn behavior. Most of the things in our life are learned behaviors. You want to know why racism runs rampant in our culture? To learn behavior. Look at a like look at a one and two year old. They don't know color. They don't know like they don't know any of that. They'll run up to anybody. What do we do? Hey, don't run up to strangers. Don't go show love. To learned behavior. So how do we learn to reject rejection? Number one, we focus on praise. One of my all-time favorite psalms is Psalms 139. This is like David's my girl or his thriller. Like this is like it's his like big hit. I mean, he had a lot of big hits, but this is one of his big hits. Like chart toppers right here. He was dropping bars with this, this psalm. Okay? David, who, by the way, also comes from the lineage of Judah. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David's like, you know what? Love me, hate me, I promise you don't make or break me. Because you didn't make me. You didn't form me. And since you didn't form me, you actually don't have a say. We need to start telling people that. You didn't have anything to do with this. Love you. You're not that important. You're not the creator. What's David saying here? No matter who accepts me or rejects me, it doesn't change my value. It doesn't change who I am. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. So number one, we focus on praise. Number two, we focus on God's love for us and Jesus' sacrifice. It says his love is everlasting. He never sleeps nor slumbers. His love never runs out. And here's the thing is, the one person who went through the most rejection of all, the worst rejection of all, Jesus Still shows up. Who was rejected by the church the worst. He still shows up. To this day. Still shows up. He never allowed rejection to stop him from fulfilling his purpose. Even in the garden showing full humanity. Going, Father, will you let this cup pass from me? You know what he's saying there? He's being human. He's like, this is a lot. 
I didn't think it was going to be this much. He didn't let it stop him from fulfilling his purpose. We need to live and rest in the assurance that his love is the best affirmation that we can get. I love the video of the little girl. Have y'all seen her? She's on the bathroom counter, and she's like, you're this, and you're this. You're going to have a great day. Y'all need to look her up. She's so stinking cute. She's like three years old. She's got curly blonde hair, and she's like up on the counter like this. And she's like, you are wonderful. You're amazing. I love you. What is she doing? She's looking in the mirror, and she's affirming herself. She's not waiting for somebody else to, to affirm her. Some of y'all need to start affirming yourself. Some of y'all need to ask God, hey, why, why did you make me this way? I'll give you an example. I used to hate my arms. Because they're just like, they're, they're proportional to my body, but they're just so long. I'm just like, oh. So, like, I'm the one in my family when we need to take a selfie. Becca's got the long arms. Give it to her. We can fit 27 people in it. Y'all, y'all laugh, but that's my family. I, I was like, oh, why? because you go to buy a jacket, and I have to do this and this and this. And go, you, like, it's a process to find clothes that fit. And if you have long arms, you know what I'm talking about. I asked God one day, I was like, why did you make my arms so long? Hey, you know if you ask him, he'll talk to you and tell you? And he said, you know why I made your arms so long? He said, because there are people out in this world that need to be fully embraced. And when you hug them, you actually are able to fully embrace them and give them a full hug. Not a half C hug. Not a, no, you're able to fully embrace them. Number three, you need to define your identity in God's word. Far too often we define ourselves by what we do, what we drive, what we wear. We see it in our culture. Your kids come home and you're, they're like, hey, mom, I need the new sneaker. I need these clothes. I need. I'm like, like I told my youth one day, I'm like, man, when I have kids someday, y'all just watch. My kid's going to be rolling up on the t-ball field with a $2 bat from Walmart, a $3 glove, and some like $5 cleats. What do you mean you ain't going to get them the new stuff? Heck no, they're going to earn that. We ain't going to dress like we're about to go win the major leagues when we don't even know how to tie our shoes. (laughs) We have to define our, you know, first and foremost, you have to define yourself as a child of God. Everything else that we do, what we say, where we go, what we wear, everything else is on top of that, comes after that. Number four, we have to develop a response and not a reaction. My wise friend up here that I get to do youth with, she's our praise and worship leader, Sarah Jameson, was talking one day, and she was telling the difference between a reaction and a um, response. Do you know that a reaction, it's a knee jerk. It's like when somebody tries to come up and scare you, and you're like, Just reaction. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Didn't mean to throat punch you. Sorry. Just reacted. A response. A response means you actually ponder and you take time and you think about and you process things through the Holy Spirit. And you allow Him to lead you with how you need to respond. 
we need to start developing a response and not a reaction. Because when I can develop a response, then I can actually look at someone and go, hey, thank you for rejecting me. I'm not saying go out and like everybody that's rejected you be like, thank you for rejecting me. Thank you for rejecting me. Thank you for rejecting me. No, but when you pass them, you'll be like, hmm, so glad they rejected me. So glad I'm not in that situation anymore. We need to start learning how to respond. Because if we respond, then we operate through love and we operate through the Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 in the Message Bible says, So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed in the things that are right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Later on in that same chapter, verses 12 through 17, it says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, Be even-tempered and content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never to be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail of your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God the Father. Every step of the way. It's a beautiful place in our lives when we come to a point where we actually don't care what other people think about us. You actually don't hold that much weight in my life. Because it's like Craig was talking about, like, other people's opinions of you, you need to put them on the scale. And if they they don't move that scale... You actually don't hold that much weight in my life. Romans 8, 28 from the Passion Translation says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. You can't feel your purpose... If you're wrapped up in rejection. Start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. And go after his glory. And not others. Start saying thank you for rejecting me. Because it actually made me a better person. You don't have to go give them props. Actually don't go give them props. Because then they'll be like I did that. You're welcome. You're welcome. 
You guys get something? Stand to your feet with me. We need to start saying thank you for rejecting me. We need to start seeing ourselves how God sees us. I promise you, you can't afford to have a thought about yourself that God doesn't have about you. Filter everything through the Holy Spirit. By your heads, we'll pray. And then we'll be dismissed. God, we just love you and we thank you for your word. I thank you that you are molding and shaping us into who you're calling us to be. That we are moving towards walking out our purpose. I thank you that you're mending every heart right now, God, that might have dealt with rejection, because we all have. That, God, you just come in like a, like a salve on a wound. And you mend and heal every broken part of us. Because we give it to you and allow you to heal us. We love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this body. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.